When will Andrew Neil's hairpiece get its own show? Answer me this, answer me this. Should I stay or should I go? Answer if I go, this, there will be trouble. If I stay, it will be double. We're kicking off this week's show with Ollie Mann's favouritest subject in the world. The photo canvas I did of my cat Coco. <laughs> Second favourite thing in the world, apart from internet pornography. His third favourite thing in the world, musicals. Oh, right. Yeah, that. It's a question from James who says, Ollie, answer me this. Is it okay to sing along when at a musical? The reason I ask is that my wife and her friend went to Mamma Mia in London and started to sing along. But every time they did... The people in front would turn around and tut because they've paid £60 to hear professionals yeah, sing, James. Exactly. They don't want your wife singing ABBA out of tune. <laughs> Fancy that. You'd think Mamma Mia was perfect for singing along to, says James. Yes, in your own home for the DVD. But I guess some people want to hear the proper singers. Yeah, and, and as you say, have paid for that privilege. Yeah, it's like you wouldn't go along to the old Vic and recite King Lear. I, I think it was cloudier, this issue, before Sing Alonger came along. Yes. Mm. But now I think there is, if you're not aware of this, listeners, a, a phenomenon, I think it's fair to say, yep. but, but actually a company as well called Sing Alonger who do these screenings of classic musical films, there are then subtitles on the film and you're in, the audience participation is not just uh, tolerated, it's actively encouraged. Do they have a little bouncy ball going along the subtitles? I like believe so. I mean, obviously, we've discussed before our mutual hatred of audience participation, uh, uh, despite not, the irony of us doing this show. It's not even hatred, it's it's pathological fear. Yeah, genuine Horror, sphincter-clenching <laughs> terror. But it's different when there's a group of you. Like it, when you no. Go, <laughs> no, no, it is. It's why Ollie and I go to shows together, because we know it's not a danger. You're both very weird, but like, I, I can understand being picked out is weird, or why having like a one-to-one interaction with yeah. actors it's the fear of being picked out or that people are looking at but you but if everyone's just singing together like no. in the no. church do you no. not sing in the church no. No. then it's Nuremberg no. it's all horrible <laughs> anyway the thing is sing-alonger events have come along now well um, I think they uh, are in fact following in the wake of things like Rocky Horror Picture Show screenings yes. with all of that audience participation but that's different isn't it because it's a film and you can go home and watch the same film hmm. if you want to in silence yeah and, and, and actually you can tell from the kind of films yes. that the sing-alonger group do the kind of things that, that make it slightly more acceptable. So I'm not saying it is acceptable to sing along at a live performance necessarily, but certainly if you look at the ones sing along do, they do uh, Grease, Dirty Dancing, Sound of Music, Sound of Music, Rocky Horror, Joseph, and actually they do do an ABBA one, but weirdly it's not Mamma Mia, it's a oh. film of ABBA in concert. Oh, that's weird. It is weird. What's the plot of that? I guess it's waiting to see if uh, they both get divorced. Or <laughs> 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 well, if you can spot the signs. The winner takes it all, or do they find out after the break? <laughs> um, but so, you know, they don't do Les Mis, for example, and I think that's no. with good reason. Because it's very hard to hit that high A. Yes, it is. Or um, what's the one that's got Aspects of Love? I mean, mm. it's a crap musical anyway, <laughs> but... Famously, the, the first song in Aspects of Love, Love Changes Everything, the final Hands note of and that... and faces and other things. Yes. Usually someone's dress sense in the partnership. <laughs> um, at the end of the song, you might recall from the Michael Ball number one of the same name, uh. he hits a really high note. Love will never, never, never be the same. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. apparently that's the highest note at the beginning of any musical ever. Wow. Well, yeah. And you have to, I don't know, but a very high one. Yeah. I, rec- I reckon I could do it. But it well, the thing on is, stage, I'll give it a go. No. But it's got to be someone who's the baritone lead who then hits that really high uh, note in the I'm, first song well, of I'm, the evening. I'm a light lyric tenor. Apparently that's So that hard. wouldn't be fair. I agree that it does depend on the type of musical because there are some where they're obviously baiting you to get up and sing along to a number and I'd imagine if you're going to see something that is based on a familiar film yeah. when like, they get Like to- Cabaret. <laughs> Maybe not so much that one. Tomorrow belongs to <laughs> me. That's a classic. Bit of participation. My 
father's German business partner mm-hmm. uh, came over a, about a decade ago now, uh, and we wanted to take him and his son to a West End musical, you know, whilst he was in London. What'd you go for? Spring Awakening? And, <laughs> well, this is the thing. Um, my mum suggested, it was on at the time, Cavalcade by Noel Coward, which mm-hmm. no one knows anything about. Anyway, he couldn't come, so we went to see it without him. And we're so glad he wasn't there because the end of the second half was they got everyone standing up and they all uh. sing together, Who won the war? We won Ooh. the war! <laughs> that's, oh, that's the end of the show. Ooh. Yeah, That doesn't date that well. But I think, you know, you, you can tell when they want the audience to sing. And, and, and actually, Mamma Mia, I would think, is one of those yes. where they do tell you pretty much with very clear symbols. You know, it's when they gesture at you and, 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 and people start clapping and telling you to get out of your seats with yeah. their arms. If, that's yeah. when you start singing and dancing. And until then, probably best to keep quiet. I would err on the side of caution yeah. and enjoying... Right, time for a question from Carl from Corsham who says, Helen, answer me this. When was the last time that a monarch overturned a bill, as in a parliamentary bill? The 11th of March, 1708. (laughs) Just off the top of your head, that one. Yeah, I remember it well. What monarch was that? I just had my lunch and I was like, would you believe what Queen Anne (laughs) has done? She's only gone and overturned the Scottish militia bill. Militia? Yeah. What was the bill about? So they were going to put a militia in Scotland and it had been passed by Parliament. But then uh, Queen Anne was a Protestant. Her brother James was a Catholic. He, with the support of the French, was going to invade Scotland and uh, try and seize the throne. And she thought, if we put a militia there, they might become loyal to him rather than me. So let's just not try it. Good Lord. When I think of the queens of England, Mm. I think Elizabeth I, Victoria, Elizabeth II. Yeah. Forgot all about poor Anne. Yeah. Queen Anne had 17 pregnancies. But not not a single child survived her. That's horrible. Imagine 17... Like... After about 10, surely the bottom half of your body falls off. Did you find it weird with Kate's pregnancy that we all got to see the Queen's gynaecologist and he was labelled as such in photographs of him standing on the hospital steps? Oh, I just thought it was a rather vivid term. Gynaecologist to the Queen? Yeah, why didn't it just say, you know... Phys- royal appointment. Yeah, this is Dr so-and-so, who's a physician to the royal family, but they actually say He's the Queen's the gynaecologist. Queen's yeah, essentially. Couldn't that, they not have called him curator of the royal jelly or something? <laughs> Tester of the royal cervix. <laughs> so I thought that was sort of a bit odd and a bit distasteful in a way, but maybe if Queen Anne had been a bit more public about these issues and had herself yeah. a decent royal gynaecologist, it would have been a better situation. I think in 1708 there was no such thing as a decent gynaecologist. No, I think that's right, yeah. Here's a question from Tammy from Melbourne in Australia. She says... A couple of weeks ago, my friend proudly handed me her business card. Well, you should never stop networking. I smiled and said thanks and slipped it into my wallet. At home later, I threw it out. (laughs) It's not her business and I already know her title. So, Ollie, answer me this. What is one to do with friends' business cards? I suppose it depends how prominent and interesting the friend's job is. Mm. Uh, if you've got an interesting friend with an interesting job, then you might want to show that card off to mutual friends of yours. Yes, like when my friend Alex was team leader rabies, but I think he didn't, <laughs> even, he didn't even have a business card, so we were just denied. We just had to show people his email signature. So maybe your friend doesn't have an interesting job, Tammy, but I think maybe if she did, you'd, 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 people come up in conversation, don't they? You say, look, oh, my friend does this, and then you'd, you'd have it to hand. Yeah, or I've got a new work email address. Maybe you could email me in the day and we'll play some online Scrabble or something. Depends. Depending on the job, if it's a tradesperson's job, then you rely on word of mouth, don't you? Maybe mm-hmm. she's hoping that you could uh, propagate her business. Maybe she was just proud to have a business card. Yeah, or maybe she's actually just ordered too many, mm-hmm. because I've suffered from this. It's because I went on Vistaprint, which just mm-hmm. make it ridiculously easy to upscale. So they get you in with an offer that's like £3 for 250 business cards. Or £30 for 2 million business cards. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> Let me tell you now, 250 business cards is enough 
Like, mm. I, I've ordered from them before, and that lasted me about six months. Now, when I ordered from them the second time, I was like, oh, 250 business cards. That only lasted me about six months. I'll go one size up. Whoa. But one size Whoa. up isn't 500. It's 2,000. So I got 2,000 business cards printed okay. in January. I've managed to get through about 100, and now my details have changed. Sucks to be you. In fact, <laughs> I forgot about this. I, I gave my uh, dinner suit to uh, dry cleaners up the road, mm. and I didn't check the pockets, and I forgot that I had business cards in my inside pocket because I was at an awards do the time before that I wore it. Always networking. Uh, exactly. And um, when I went back to the dry cleaners three weeks later to pick up my tux... Because I wasn't in a rush. It was ready after two days, but who needs a tuxedo instantly? Uh, James Bond. James Bond, yeah. yeah. Good point, actually. Well, the guy from Not Trevor, which I guess is basically James Bond. When I went back to the dry cleaners, in the rack at the front of the store where they keep the flyers advertising like local cleaning ladies and people doing sewing and alteration services, mm-hmm. things you'd expect to see at a dry cleaner. Synergistic businesses. Yes, indeed. In that box, at the front, in the dry cleaner, was my business card, Ollie Man, writer and broadcaster. Wow. <laughs> I mean, they'd obviously taken it out of my inside pocket and thought, oh yes, that might be of use to our customers. <laughs> like, there in the dry cleaners in Stanmore, I was advertising my services as a presenter of talk radio well maybe that, had my mobile number on it and everything maybe that's what tammy could do she could put her friend's business cards in other people's display yeah what tammy could do as well is get a rolodex it's an old-fashioned solution to an old-fashioned problem mm. and she could just keep it at home it's not a business rolodex but then maybe her friends will get a little kick out of seeing that she saved their cards and it's in her special friend rolodex yeah, it is an old-fashioned problem isn't it because it's astonishing to think yeah michael jackson's dead yet business cards remain you know they should have died right. out a long time ago yeah both were great in the 80s yeah but <laughs> yes you know I'd, I'd rather have michael jackson still around i think yeah uh, than I business d- cards they have no real use i just don't think that it was really a cosmic choice between one or the other though okay. anyone would think that they were unrelated if you've got a question email in to martin the sound man holly and helen answer me this podcast at googlemail.com answer me this podcast Here's a question from Miriam from Somerset who says I've been singing my children a bedtime song I think you're depriving the world, by the way, Helena Martin, mm. by, at the moment, not having any children. Sorry, because... I think actually we're helping the world because environmentally the world doesn't need any more children. Yeah, but imagine the bedtime songs that Martin would compose. They'd be the most cerebral bedtime songs Ex- ever. Excuse me, <laughs> I'm one of the best song extemporizers of my generation. Um, anyway, uh, Miriam has, in fact, been singing a song that it's come to her attention might be a little bit rude. Is that a picture song? I think you could sing Sucking on My Titties to a little baby, couldn't you? Because that's technically... Exactly what, how it spends its day. Sucking on My Titties like you want some milk yeah Yeah. suck the pain away suck the pain away (laughs) I think you can tell that none of us are parents by the jolly way we're treating this subject Um, uh, Miriam continues Helen answer me this what is the song she'll be coming round the mountain when she comes all about why is she wearing pink pyjamas and why is she riding four white horses or six white horses in many versions how does the music go at that point uh, she'll be riding, riding six, six white horses, horses when she comes. That sounds better, doesn't it? I know four's also only one syllable. She'll be riding four white horses, horses when she comes. Right. It's a bit more difficult to six say. Six sounds better. Yeah. And it sounds a bit more biblical. 
Um, I've also heard some other verses recently, continues oh, Miriam. There have been a lot of updates to this song <laughs> in the 21st century. Uh, the ones she's heard are, we'll all be cheering when she comes. We'll all be cheering when she comes. When she comes. <laughs> and she'll be sleeping with her grandma when she comes. Uh, neither of these, says Miriam, sound any less seedy than the original verses. WTF is this song really about? And should I be singing it to my children? Well, Miriam, if you're going to get into what most children's songs descend from and really mean then what are you going to sing them? You'll be reduced to singing them something clean like a Rihanna song. Because even things, <laughs> even things like Here We Go Round the Mulberry Bush, that is a song which uh, came out of Wakefield Prison. Wow. Yeah, and it was like, if you don't do all your cleaning chores, you're going to die of the cholera. Ha! Uh, mm. So this song, She'll Be Coming Round the Mountain When She Comes. When She Comes. Originated from a song sung by slaves in the southern USA. Now that doesn't surprise me because it has that flavour to it, doesn't it, musically? Well, the call and response, I think, yeah. is one slave would sing a bit and the others would answer and it probably kept them going during some uh, rather unpleasant labour. Uh, so that song was called When the Chariot Comes and it was about Judgment Day. And so the lyrics there were things right, like, yeah. King Jesus be the driver when she comes. Ah. The she in that case was uh, the chariot that he was going to ride in on and uh, beget the rapture. There was another lyric, she'll be loaded with bright angels when she comes. When she comes. Sorry, it's irresistible. Yeah. I can't <laughs> stop joining in. Yeah. There'll be some white folks getting their comeuppance when she comes. Yeah. <laughs> Does Miriam think this was dirty because it contains when she comes? Yes, I think that's what she's getting at. Not- but actually it does. It doesn't have any connection no. to sexual gushing. No, it's not like that song, When I Come. When I come. No, it's not like that at all. That's not about Jesus, is it? The artist was ATB. It was a favourite of mine. ATB. Yeah. Right. Anyway, the song about Jesus riding in to create the rapture spread through the Appalachians and became a lot more folky, and the lyrics started to change. And there doesn't seem to be a definitive uh, version, but it was first recorded in the seminal work, The American Songbag, which was published in... <laughs> which, songbag! Which was published in 1927 by Carl Sandberg. Sandberg Songbag? Yeah, the Sandberg Songbag. It's very difficult to say. I can't mm. believe that's even a real thing. He'll be putting sand in his bags when he comes. <laughs> uh, he went around the USA collecting songs, and he wrote down this song. And his interpretation was that the she... Uh, who's coming around the mountain when she comes was uh, the union organiser Mary Harris Jones also known as Mother Jones and uh, oh. she was go- going around the mountain to promote the formation of labour unions in the Appalachian <clears throat> coal mining camps and wow. she'll be riding six white horses uh, was a symbol of the mythological stature of Mother Jones and then the rest of the song is about how much rejoicing would happen after she arrived but I think really most of the lyrics are nonsense like the pink pyjamas one I think it's just what is fun for people to sing there's another interpretation from old though that can with uh, Carl Sandbag and uh, it is that she is the railroad and it will come around the mountain it will bring food and drink mm. and people and fun and that's when you get the lyrics like we'll be having chicken dumplings when she comes Cause when she come. comes yeah it will come you can all have a party with the, the dumplings and the people that may have arrived on the train it seems like quite a happy story to tell your children Miriam I mean if you're worried mm. that it had a sexual connotation now you know that it probably doesn't Jesus will come and punish you when he comes <laughs> he will blow this earth sky high when he comes when he, he comes. will fuck you good and proper and you will spend eternity in hell this will all happen when he comes but you know if you explain it from the point of view of the slaves and that they were anticipating their own liberation that's a positive story isn't it i don't think that was the case though i think they were just whiling away the time until they died of exhaustion Mm. 
But no, you know, no, they're hoping for an optimistic outcome. They're creating, they're creating some sense of hope. Even yeah, if they're it saying wasn't concretely something to different a... to this life of pain and toil is going to come. Well, well some death. If you're being pessimistic about it, yes. But the optimistic interpretation is relief from this is going to come. Excuse me for thinking that maybe the southern USA slaves were not so optimistic. I, I get that, but I'm just saying I can imagine that that interpretation could be that we'll be freed from slavery when she comes. Now, admittedly, that's yeah. through death. But nonetheless, taking the long view, they maybe realised that this was going to be a, you know, if you zoom out far enough, a temporary situation. Well, our, that's a positive story. Our owners will rot in hell when he comes. Yeah. Where do you go to find all the answer that you are looking for? I will tell you the secret. Very good, very good. Where do you go to find the answer? Answermethispodcast.com Where do you go to find the answer? Answermethispodcast.com You will find your answer here. Answermethispodcast.com You will find your answer here. Answermethispodcast.com Listeners, do us a favour and give us a call with your questions by ringing this number. 0208123 Or by Skyping Answer Me This. And uh, just a little point of order... If you're standing in a strong wind... Call back another time. Or if you're really muffled... Call back another time. Or if you're really hammered... Actually, if you're really hammered, sometimes it's funny, but uh, yeah. try and get someone who's sober to make a judgment call on that one before you call five times. Hi, hello, Nolly. It's Joe from Needham. Hello, Nolly. Answer me this. Are there any rules, regulations, or licences that have to be undertaken in order to bury a person? Which, uh, I know you have to register a death that say I wanted to bury my grandmother in the back garden uh do i have to state to the council or whoever that that is what i've done so that i then dig up my garden in 20 years if i've moved out and find dead body under there it would be pretty weird wouldn't it if there weren't any rules and regulations to burying a dead body yes i i thought that they liked to keep an eye on these things in uh local government i think that's right there are quite a few rules and regulations uh, which i'm reassured to know so it's not like you can set up your own cemetery on an allotment as a money-making scheme. That's correct. Hmm. Um, Damn it! (laughs) Wrong investment. In fact, as far as it goes, you can only do it once at all. What? You can only bury one person in your back garden at all. Because Uh, uh, the definition of a burial ground or cemetery by law is where two or more people are laid to rest. But what if you didn't know that there was someone who had fetched up there 400 years before? Perhaps when, when your garden was a riverbank and they just silted in there? Yeah. If it was 400 years before, that's probably okay. But the point of these rules is exactly that, so that the the Home Office do have a record of who's buried there, Mm -hmm. so that they can say, uh, no, there's more than two people there, therefore you need a licence to be a burial ground. Uh, But if you're you're not a burial ground, if you're just intending on one interment, uh, then usually, uh, apparently, you will get permission to do it, but yes, you do need to contact the council. Yes. Um, And the, the major reason for that... Uh, is that although there's nothing in the public general law to prevent the burial of a deceased person in any ground that you like, there is an exemption if it constitutes a public health risk. Right. So what you need to establish is you're not going to pollute the local water supply with granny, basically. Mm. So they do checks on the Department of Environment, have to be informed, they have to check that you're not within 100 metres of a borehole. Um, They need to check that uh, the location and position of the grave is attached to the deed in the future for the very reason that you said, Mm. so that future purchasers are aware there's a body in there. Yeah, this one's taken. (laughs) Chuck Uh, them over the garden fence. And also, I suppose, to reduce the risk of, in the future, there being any shocks and surprises Mm. whilst you're having maintenance work done. Yeah, and you think there's a murder victim there. Yes, exactly. You you are installing...
trawling an ornamental fish pond and suddenly you think you've come across a mass grave that could be uh, traumatic yeah I, I mean the people that bought the house that I grew up in have leveled the garden and they probably found a few canine skeletons in there Mm. dogs that died of natural causes yeah indeed if you wouldn't want to be shocked by digging up a skeleton it's probably best to be alerted to the fact it's there um and presumably as well there are regulations about having to bury it a certain depth because you don't want it just to come above the earth during heavy rain yeah indeed it's it's strongly recommended you do employ a freelance grave digger to help you at your private ceremony because they Mm. are specialized in making sure that there's enough room above and beneath the coffin you might not need a coffin if it's a private burial well indeed and natural burials are kind of the big sort of green thing at the moment uh Mm. but but even then again you've got to consider do you want that skeleton to be unearthed it's probably better that it's wrapped in something it's probably going to have some kind of protection interestingly apparently a lot of coffin manufacturers are uncomfortable selling directly to the public anyway uh, so you might be forced to get some sort of alternative coffin even if you wanted a traditional one uh, a family friend uh, who died recently had a really beautiful coffin I think it was one of these cardboard ones but it was white and it was covered in copies of paintings that she'd done that I never, nice I never knew that she was a painter but they're very good how would you feel though if um, you got buried along with your uh, handicrafts because they're oh. things that you hope to be part of your legacy you don't really want them I'll be dead I won't care yeah as it's not technically burial presumably it would be fine therefore to do the snow white thing of uh, putting somebody in a glass coffin above ground so you could look at them forever and ever (laughs) and also use them as a side table during barbecues um you know i i imagine all kinds of funky stuff is okay actually if Mm. the person that's died has made it very clear it was their intention the thing is when you file this report with your local council Mm. they usually request and obviously it depends on circumstances because sometimes people die without next of kin but they usually request that all the next of kin sign the document if they haven't had clear steer from the person who's died what they wanted you need to make sure that all the children and usually all the grandchildren as well agree that this is the right thing because the problem can be uh, not only of course the emotional trauma of the fact that uh, you know siblings may disagree on how a parent should be buried but then after they're buried if you want to organize viewings if it's the house of one of the siblings but they've fallen out with the other side and they say no you can't come into our garden that can be a problem that can go on for decades so if you want to visit the graveside you need to negotiate it within the family but also you actually need to sort of say when you sell the house uh, by the way can we come by every year and lay some flowers I guess most people would say yes to that it's a bit weird isn't it I bet lots and lots of people in Britain particularly where land is relatively scarce Mm. have bodies in their gardens because you know a few hundred years ago most of the land was not built on and also you had a lot of churchyards that now have been built over yeah in fact my parents live pretty close to a church oh they could have some corpses under the lawn right now could well do yeah um, hadn't thought about that but yeah. you're right yeah also presumably there are rules technically about where you're allowed to scatter ashes but probably most people disobey them and get away with it i think that's absolutely right so much harder to scatter a whole corpse yeah and this you could mince it up <laughs> technically for example you're supposed to ask at a cemetery if you can scatter ashes at a cemetery oh i mean it's full of dead bodies yeah i do like the idea of, of going to a place that was significant to me though I suppose that's the nice thing about scattering ashes. They can't it? scatter your ashes in John Lewis. <laughs> they could scatter them in Costco, I'm sure. Disney World, Helen. Where? Epcot Centre. Really? In the ball. Okay. <laughs> Any particular bit of the ball? Actually, the restaurant in Pirates of the Caribbean, specifically, in Disneyland Paris. Oh, no, not in a restaurant. Put, <laughs> well, you, put you in the pepper shakers. In the, in the water that goes around it in the lagoon. All right. After a hard day at the podcasting coalface, I like to relax with a movie. Perhaps Senna Black Swan, the social network, or Pixar's Ratatouille.
week Where you can stream all those films And shitloads of others If you sign up for our free love film trial At answermethispodcast.com Slash lovefilm It's well worth your pile Because it's free the jingle tells the truth. That's right. You can have a whole three months worth of Love Film. And you can choose Love Film Instant, which is the one that you can stream films and telly programs straight to your iPad or your computer or your telly. Mm. Or you can have the Love Film by post thing, which means you can get games and stuff by post as well. Retro. So you can post. choose which... We- <laughs> I know. Ah. Even old people like this, being the summer holidays, parents, they have a lot of Disney on there that will keep your kids quiet. Mary Poppins, The Rescuers, uh, Wally. As a Disney mm. nut, I, I am sated by the array on Love Film. And Ollie is also sated by the fact that we get a little bit of money for everyone who signs up the Love Film trial. So you get free stuff. We get money. It sounds like a good deal, doesn't it? it sounds like a good deal. Uh, and if you want to support our podcast and get some free entertainment, it's answermethispodcast.com slash lovefilm. Here's a question from Katie from Portsmouth who says, Helen, answer me this. Do fake boobs work? As what? Uh, she says, as in, if you've had a boob job, she's not suggesting you have. I haven't. If you've had a boob job with implants, yeah. can you breastfeed or are they purely ornamental? Um, they, a, a lot of women would disagree with the definition of breastfeeding as the only function. real purpose of boobs. Yeah. Anyway. And also... And that, a lot of men. Yeah, and that a boob that breastfeeds could not be ornamental. Mm. Well, in most cases, you can still breastfeed. I think unless the surgeon has uh, done the surgery in such a way where the plumbing from breast tissue to the nipple is not really working that well anymore. You're not going to tell us another horror story about Queen Anne, are you? Her nips <laughs> fell off. She, she had a really terrible botch boob job. She should have stayed B cup. Um, other than that, I, I think it should be fine. Not everyone can breastfeed. So, uh, there's no more increased risk? There must be slightly more increased um, risk by playing around with them. It can be more difficult. It can be more painful. You're more prone to mastitis. Mm. And also uh, you might produce a bit less milk. But you still could. I remember Pamela Anderson saying she could, and hers looked really fake. So if she could, and her hers were done twenty odd years ago, probably modern ones are a bit more careful. Yeah, you don't see as many big, plasticky, big Playboy style, Playboy style, celeb female celebrities these days. I think at the moment a more natural look is uh, in the ascendant. You think about who are the most famous young women in the world now, like Rihanna, Lady Gaga. Yeah. None of them have big boobs, really, do they? No, and also Posh Boys downgraded her yeah, big yeah, plastic yeah. boobs to more normal boobs. When I was 15, I found fake boobs exciting. You but found then all boobs exciting. found all boobs exciting. Hmm. So I suppose in my mind, I'm thinking, well, just because I don't anymore, maybe that's because I'm double that age now, but a 15-year-old now would prefer fake boobs to did natural you, boobs. Maybe they don't. Did you prefer fake boobs when you were 15? Well, it's just what was in the magazines, wasn't it? Like, if I open hmm. up FHM, that's what was being proffered to me as beauty. Well, it was a novelty then. And then they became quite ubiquitous in certain photographed women. Oh, and, ubiquitous boobs. And, theref- <laughs> and therefore, there, there was the sort of swing in the other direction, wasn't there? To- <laughs> Uh, yeah. well, when there was a strong wind to, 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 to favour natural boobs again because those were a more unusual rare desirable commodity mm. like Kelly Brooks boobs for instance Kelly Brooks boobs are fantastic we were at a party with Kelly Brook I didn't see her I left before her boobs arrived she's, she's a, a very beautiful looking person anyway boobs yeah. or no but um, there are boobs that defy classification by uh, age or genre or, or were, time we should talk about boobs more on the podcast we don't often this is do brilliant we? this is really cheering me up yeah. actually. why? <laughs> boobs are fantastic they want a God's, to God's gift to women what's to say though <laughs> that's true actually we've got quite a lot of mileage out of Kelly Brooks boobs 
So is she. I mean, she's built a whole career on her boobs. I yeah. mean, not literally right there on her boobs. You know, Muchya from the Sugar Babes and now from the old Sugar Babes lineup, Mucha Keisha Siobhan. Yes. She had bum implants. That I don't understand. No. I like a nice bum. And now she. I can't lie. It's not worth the surgery. So it doesn't look like just a normal bum. It looks like breast implants on someone's bum. Well, they probably are, aren't they? Yeah. You've got them lying around, especially if they're not as fashionable as they were. Well, one of my favourite pictures is of uh, Mr. Paparazzi with his fake six pack. Yeah, it's just like loads of boobs on his fat stomach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not kidding myself that if I were to get a fake six pack put on my jiggly belly it would look like I was toned it would look like I had a fake six pack on a jiggly belly yeah, which is in itself very funny and he was yeah. marketing himself as a sort of media personality so maybe he was aware of that maybe in fact he thought this will be an investment everyone's going to take pictures of my perfectly ridiculous six pack implants this is actually the ugly truth of it isn't it uh. you, you assume that people go to the plastic surgeon and say make me look beautiful and the surgeon either tricks them into thinking that this conventional idea of beautiful is beautiful or genuinely believes it to be true themselves and does the best job that they can and sometimes it goes wrong however mm. is it possible that actually in truth There's someone goes someone someone actually goes to the plastic surgeon and says look I need to be more famous than I am I need to be photographed and I need to be in heat can you just give me some ridiculous plastic surgery yeah. that can be talked about yeah I, I wonder if that happens there was Lolo Ferrari yeah yeah and I suppose that was that yeah yeah you don't have cue-cut boobs for just for your own fun nonetheless in interviews she'd say i think i look beautiful and the surgeon would say i think i'm making her look beautiful we're creating real life barbie they didn't say oh yeah we just fancy a laugh we wanted to get some photos so we just yeah came we wanted something to ridiculous. see how far we could push a human yeah. being's body before it fell apart yeah. i think people like pete burns have done that because i don't think pete burns would have got his look just trying to look natural but a bit better yeah, than yeah. natural yeah that is a, a unlike any normal human face but again michael jackson i mean in that case you got the impression that he thought he looked better but if you actually think i'm going to look ridiculous because i'm making a statement i just wonder if that happens sometimes yeah well some people get their tongues forked because they want to look like <laughs> a, a beast yeah, just, just talking about that makes me feel weird yeah, it's, not, it's not it's not it's not right tongues aren't meant to be forked See, in in humans whatever you say about breastfeeding children when you've got fake boobs i'm pretty sure you can't eat properly when you've got a forked tongue you could probably eat yogurt or something. Yeah. Or whatever snakes eat. What do you <laughs> What do you do when you when eat I, a steak? You just have to consume the whole cow in one big mouthful. You know what you could do? You could lick two cream eggs at once. <laughs> but other than that, I see no benefit. And that benefit is pretty marginal anyway. Well, listeners, it's the end of the show as we know it. And I feel fine. Yeah, I feel fine. I'm glad you feel fine. Yeah. I'm quite chilled up by the boob talk. But you know what would make us feel really fine in future weeks is to have your questions out of which to build more episodes of Answer Me This. And, That's right. And you can find our contact details on our website. AnswerMeThisPodcast.com Also, links to buy our app on iOS or Android. And remember, every single week on that app, once you bought it, there's a special little extra bit of crap on the app. What has happened between the edits? Only uh, the app owners know. <laughs> and also on our website, you can buy our holiday album. Yes. Yeah, holiday. Well, <laughs> it hasn't got us covering Madonna on it, thank God. No, she would kill us with one frown. <laughs> she would slice our necks open with a fingernail and then she would crush our heads between her buttocks. But what it has got is one hour of all new material of us talking about the world of vacationing. That seems like enough for you to be getting on with, uh, so we will just see you next week. Bye! Bye.